and welcome back to Diversity Be Like. It's Sequoia, and I am here with my very special guest, Robin Haynes. Robin is a seasoned professional in the financial industry with more than 20 years of experience. She is a business and financial strategist, a speaker, and an author. She's committed to assisting her clients and audiences in growing their financial education and practices that are taught in a way to easily understand and be implemented. And I'm super excited to have her here. And let me tell you, like when I say this, I'm so true. I met Robin as my business advisor when I finished the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses Program. And when I tell you she is dope, that is a complete understatement. So welcome, Robin. I'm so happy to have you here with me today. Thank you so much, Sequoia. I am truly honored. When any, anytime somebody asks me to do a podcast or interview, I'm like, who, me? <laughs> so I'm so honored. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. I just, I think there's so much that the audience has to learn from you. And I think from some of the conversations that we've had, particularly as it relates to people of color, as it relates to diversity and our exposure to just finances and how to use them to our benefit and all of that stuff. I just thought this would be a fantastic conversation. I literally just got off of the phone with one of my friends and we were talking about that because we were actually talking about our stocks. And he was like, don't look at the, don't look at the market today. And I was like, no, what? And then I looked and I shouldn't have. (laughs) So we were just talking about that and talking about credit cards and like using all of that stuff and how a lot of times in our community, we just, we aren't taught that. And so Mm -hmm. I think that there's an opportunity to teach and and have some stuff that people can really take away and understand and not be afraid of from this conversation. So thank you. You're more than welcome. So let's start. Tell me a little bit about yourself. I gave an introduction, but tell the people in your own words, what do you do and how you got started? So I've been in the financial industry for about a good 24 years. December the 29th would actually be 24 years. I mean, 24 years. Being in this space, and I started off as a teller, making like six dollars an hour. Right, I thought I was doing something, mm. and so I grew up in the financial industry as a business advisor, as a financial strategist, as you know, as a teller, as a loan officer, as a mortgage loan officer, and the list goes on. And so, legit, I started in the industry when I was, I guess, twenty years old, and now I'm forty four. And so, I've been been right, <laughs> I, right, ebbs and flows of the financial industry and the challenges that it, you know, presented, especially for the African-American community. And so that's why I honestly do what I do, Sequoia, because we are not taught. However, the what was me game, I'm so over it, right? I'm <laughs> like, like, no, and I, and I say this, I say this wholeheartedly, right? And I stand in my truth. I'm so over the what was me thing, right? And I get we weren't taught financial education. I got that, right? But how many of us know that it's 2022 and we're walking mm-hmm. around with something called IEA smartphone in our hand? Right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. we're on social media. No shade, no tea against social media, but we are in social media. We swim, we eat, we play in the social media space. So just right. imagine if we did not spend as much time in that space, if we took the time to do our due diligence to understand the nuances of our financial picture, how much better we would feel. Right. right. Yeah. And to your point, there's so many resources out there and available for the. I mean, yeah, if you could spend time 
playing around on Facebook or playing around on any of the other channels, you can definitely take a little bit of time to listen to an audiobook. Or I just signed up for this thing called Wealth Fit, mm-hmm. which is a really interesting thing that has all of these courses that you could just sit and listen to and understand and listen to, you know, from people who are in the industry. And that's in addition to having access to people like you that I could talk to anytime, cool. right? Just actively seeking out that information. So, yeah. I do. I think that there is a bit of you don't know what you don't know. And so I think that's where we'll come in today. Yes, there are things that are against us. There are systemic things in place that have disenfranchised a number of people. But let's move beyond that today and focus on, okay, how, what next? How? What, okay, what do we do now? Step, right. And so that's, that's yeah. the thing, right? We cannot, and I always, and Shakur, you heard me say this while, you know, you were a, you know, a student in Goldman Sachs that, you cannot continue to waste time on the, the spill milk. I always say this. Don't don't yeah. dwell on the spill. Learn from the spill and move on. Right. And so so often it's I wasn't taught what was me. I wasn't taught yeah. either. But I learned I grew up in the financial industry. I had to legit teach myself. My parents yeah. sent, sent me, myself, myself, my brother and my sister down and say, hey, this is the bills. This is what's coming in. This is how you do. No, we weren't taught that. Right. So it was honestly trial by fire. And I had the advantage because, like I said, I grew up in the financial industry. I remember right. my first credit card from Victoria's Secret. And that interest rate, that APR was, I think, 28%. And you couldn't tell me nothing because I had my little Ah, <laughs> oh, You couldn't tell me anything, right? But when I, when I became, when I started working in the financial industry and really understanding the, the, the nuances of credit and its importance, then I like legit called Victoria's Secret and was like, hey, cancel this card because your APR is <laughs> so I was a little savvy, right? So yeah, yeah. That that lo- those learned behaviors over time. And so yeah. again, taking what I've learned by working in the financial industry, the credit union, the no shade OT, the credit union, I owe my career to the credit union. Let's take a moment to back up and tell people what is the difference between a bank and a credit union, and why should a person choose one over the other? So the bank is, of course, it's a for-profit entity, right? And so the banks are controlled by its shareholders, right? So the account holders are not the decision makers. The, the shareholders are the, the decision makers in the, uh, in the bank, whereas the credit union, the credit union is controlled by its members and its board of directors, right? So the members honestly have a say. And the members are the people who actually have accounts account, at account the credit union. And so the credit union also provides exclusivity, meaning that everybody can't join the credit union, right? I know here okay. in Baltimore, you have state employees credit, SECU, where we work or work or go to a state school, you know, a mortgage state, a, a Coppin state, a University of Maryland at Baltimore. You know, those are state schools, right? So you can actually mm-hmm. open up an account at CQ, MeQ is if you work, worship, or reside in Baltimore City, then you can open up an account at Baltimore City. Whereas if, let's say, you go to a bank, a PNC or Bank of America, you know what I mean? Anybody can open up an account. Now, they have the same outlines as savings and checking and CDs and loans and things of that nature. But the interest rates, the APRs, may be just a little higher at a bank just opposed to a credit union. And then, of course, the deposit requirements for a savings and account, a savings and checking account may be a little higher at a bank, juxtaposed to a savings or checking account deposit at a credit union. 
I know also, um, because I recently joined Navy Federal Uh and that was my first time being a member of a credit union. Uh And I joined it because I got frustrated with Bank of America, honestly. (laughs) And I'm able to join because my parents Mm -hmm. are uh, military, right? Um, And so one of the things is really interesting. I just got a letter, an email yesterday that was like, you've been pre-approved for a mortgage and you don't have to pay anything down or whatever. I just bought something, so Mm -hmm. I don't need it. Mm -hmm. But that was really interesting to me that I feel like they proactively send out these things to me that are beneficial to me. Mm -hmm. Whereas Bank of America, when I would get things, I would get stuff like, oh, you've been approved for this credit card. But Navy Federal is like, you've been pre-approved for this auto loan. You've been pre-approved for this other thing. And the interest rates that they're offering are so much lower than I saw from the the products and services from the bank. So one thing about, I'm credit union baptized, like no shade, no tea against that. (laughs) With banks, air quotes banks, right? But I'm credit credit (laughs) union baptized because I know the workings and the ins and outs of a credit union. I know how they operate. Okay. They are for the member. You know what I mean? They are for the member. Now, I know that some financial, some credit, I mean, some banks, I should say, Truist, which is now, which was BB&T now and SunTrust, they merged back in 2021. They are, they do a lot of community engagement. But in my eyes, aside from that, it's just like, if you go to a bank, you're just a number, unless you have a working relationship with a banker or a branch manager. You know what I mean? Where mm-hmm. credit union, people know who you are. They know your name. You know what I mean? So it's all about the relationship mm-hmm. piece. But going back to your original question, what would make one person decide to go with a, a credit union versus a bank? And it's all about the research. What find First of all, what are your financial needs? One. And number two, you have to decipher and decide if that financial institution is going to fit your needs. What are you looking for? Are you looking for that just basic savings and checking account? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What are your needs both personally and and professionally in your business? So does that financial institution, whether it be a credit union and or a bank, fit your needs? But before you go in asking questions, you have to know what you want. And that's where a lot of consumers mm-hmm. miss the point or fall short because they don't understand their financial needs. So how can I explain what I need if I don't know what I need? Right. And that's, you know what, that's a really great point because I think back to, I, I think it's really on some level presumptuous of me to even think that somebody would even have a bank account or or a, an account with a credit union. Because I think back to people who, you know, they go to the check cash and place to cash their check mm-hmm. every week mm-hmm. because they don't have a bank account. So how does someone identify what it is that their financial need is? Where do they even start with that? It's all about goal setting. Honestly, what is it that I'm looking to accomplish? And if you follow me on social media, I do a one minute financial tip of the week, right? In a couple of weeks, we talked about goal setting, right? The importance of goal setting. And so mm-hmm. back to your question, it's all about your goals. What are you looking to accomplish within this year? And break this goal down, break that annual goal down into months. Every month, you should be working towards that annual goal and break that monthly goal down to weeks. So to your point, it's all about what you're looking to accomplish. Ask yourself, what is it that I'm trying to accomplish? When am I trying to accomplish it by? And what do I need to accomplish this goal? And when I say... Listen, I'm just I'm just trying to go to work. I'm trying to make my money. I'm trying to pay my bills. Why do I even need any of this? Okay, you're existing. <laughs> yeah. You're existing. 
right? If you're, if you're pushing back to me on that asset, you're just working to exist. That's not cute. Okay. It's more to work than, it's more to life than working and coming home, making money, paying bills and getting up and go to work again. I had to learn that. Even as a financial strategist and business advisor, it was more to, it was more to, it's more to life than that. And I say that because I legit, before I had COVID, I was pulling two jobs. I was working two full times, right? And I was bringing home bank, like legit bank. Mm-hmm. But I realized that COVID taught me a couple of things. Number one, it ain't that serious. <laughs> and I can stand to that because I legit was on public assistance. You know what I mean? So well over six figures in income. And number two, mm-hmm. it's more to life than work. It is. Like, ha- mm-hmm. for instance, I just had a spa day on Tuesday. Like, I legit mm-hmm. took the whole day down and went mm-hmm. to the spa. Full body massage, nails. And toes. And that was the. <laughs> you know what? That's one of the things that I learned relatively, like within the last few years. So I'm blessed that I have a really supportive family, mm-hmm. right? And I, there are a couple of times in my life that I've, I've always had a supportive family, mm-hmm. but there are a couple of times in my life that I understood intimately the idea of what someone who might not have that might go through, not because my family wasn't there, but because I chose not to reach out. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple of things like one, I remember I got laid off in 2014, mm-hmm. right? And there was, I was working as a marketing manager, I was making decent money, all that. And so when you get laid off from a job like that, sometimes it takes you a little bit longer to find Absolutely. a, well, a job that's comparable. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, well, I can get unemployment, but I'm one of those people, like I, I, need, I feel like I need to work. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, there's an opportunity in, in my my things kind of usually wind up around investments too, right? Because I just think like that. So there's this company called Minuteman Press and they had these, Mm -hmm. uh, you could buy into a franchise, right? So I was like, I'm thinking about that. I don't know if I would like it, but there's an office depot down the street. Let me see if I can get a job there, right? And work there so I can even see if I like print, if I like this, if if it's something that I could see myself doing Mm -hmm. to buy this franchise, all right? So I go in there and they want to pay me $7.50 an hour in Los Angeles in 2014. And for me, it was just, it blew my mind because I'm like, gosh, gas at that time was still over $3. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's going to cost, I'm going to have to work a couple hours just to get gas to go to work, right? If I want to buy a sandwich to eat for lunch, nope. I'm going to have to, but and I started thinking about how much I would have to work mm-hmm. to be able to afford just the bare minimum to even just survive. Right. And then I started thinking about, gosh, and that to me as a single woman without mm-hmm. kids, you know what I mean? I can't even imagine that. And then you think about the people who get those jobs and kind of get stuck in that cycle, not because they don't want more, but because if I'm working this job, and this is meeting my needs at the moment, but I have this interview over here. This interview might not be a done deal, but can I afford to really take off time from work to go to this interview that might not happen or interview multiple times? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you get stuck in this, people get stuck in these cycles. And to me, that was really an eye-opening experience I hadn't even thought about, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Then another thing, my dad got some money. He got a lump sum and he gave me some and I'm thankful for that. Right. And I was able to pay off some stuff that wasn't like 
big stuff, but it was like paying down my credit card or whatever. And then just having money like in my savings and being able to move different and make different decisions. Mm-hmm. And I was able to invest more in the stock market. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was like, this is interesting. Life is different. Mm-hmm. Not only because I, I wouldn't have ever considered myself broke before that, mm-hmm. but it's a different level of money between when you have money to like pay your bills and when you have money to like make some moves with mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so to your point existing there's more to life than just making enough to to pay your bills and so and to that point it's and it's not about a whole it's not about having a whole lot of it's not it's about like you said sequoia being free to do whatever it is you want to do and so i always tell my colleagues and my my various partners throughout the country like i don't chase the bag no more i used to like everybody, oh, mm-hmm. Robin, I want to work with you. Okay, let's sign up. You know, let's sign a contract. And okay, what does the first payment do? Not no more, right? Because I'm being a seasoned vet in this space. I don't chase the bag anymore. How does somebody get there? So if oh. you have somebody that's like, okay, I'm not doing a check cashing anymore. I have a bank account or I have a, I'm, because I heard Robin, I'm going to get an account in my credit union. Mm-hmm. What now? Like, how does somebody get from, what are some tools or best practices or thoughts that somebody can take to get from like, I'm going to work, I'm making money, I'm coming home to using their money and making their money work for them? It's honestly, what, like I said, what what is it that you want out of life, right? And I tell people all the time, your financial journey is that it's yours, capital yours. It's, you can't look left, you can't look right. You have to keep your eyes on your prize, right? And number two, don't get tripped up. I said on Monday's, Tuesday's tip, so don't let external factors deter you from your goals and your dreams. So how do you get to that level of success. Number one, like I said, everybody's journey is different. And number two, it may take you five years. Heck, it took me 24 years and I ain't even got good yet. <laughs> okay, yeah, I wrote a few books, got a couple degrees. That's cute, but I ain't even got good yet. Real talk. <laughs> so, and I, and I was like, say that legitly. You know what I mean? I'm still learning. I'm still studying. I'm still growing. So, you know, Mm -hmm. there is no true defined timeline of success. It's you got to you got to work at it. You got to work your craft. You got to study your craft. You got to hone in on your craft and you have to kill distractions. Silence the noise. Right. Right. Silence that noise because social media is cute, but it's noisy. TV, it's entertainment, but it's noisy. You know what I mean? While you're on your journey, you have to silence that noise right so i silence the noise i decide you know okay i'm not i'm I'm gonna spend three hours a day now after i get off work looking at blog articles and reading books i'm gonna read robin's book what are some other things that you think people can do to they've now decided okay i have a financial goal right what are some things that they could do and how can they use finances to work to their benefit and I know that every situation is going to be different, but just like if we can, as a general rule of thumb. Again, asking yourself, what is it that I want? That's the, that's the basic question. What is it that I want? I have my goal, right? Let's say savings goal of $1,000 by the end of this year. What will it take for me to hit that goal? When was the last time I analyzed my budget? Need versus want. What's a need? A need is something that's required for survival. Food, shelter, clothing, transportation, medication. What's a want? A want is desire 
but not required. So every time you spend money, ask yourself, is this a need or a want? And here's the thing. Do not allow your wants to overshadow your needs because you will get into financial trouble and that will prevent you from reaching your financial goal. So comb your budget. Learn how to say no. If your friends are going out and you know that you have a savings goal or you're looking to start that business, sit home. Ain't nothing wrong with it. I sit home all the time. <laughs> and I got cake to spend. But I do not to spend it. Why? Because I have things I'm paying for. My kitchen, my first floor bottle will be done. Start next week. I got a publishing mm-hmm. contract I need to finalize. I have a team working my wardrobe for the photo shoot. You see what I'm saying? So all of this requires what? Money. So I can go out. Right. But I got to use my resources to get the projects that I'm done. Absolutely. One of the things that I did, so I was at a job that I I hated, right? (laughs) And I was still working my business Mm -hmm. part time at that point. And so one day somebody did something I didn't like. And I had, and I, I was not only doing the marketing agency, but I was doing real estate and I had just sold three houses. So I was really feeling myself because I had the money from three houses sitting in my bank account. Yeah. Somebody at work did something I didn't like. And I was like, mm, so, and I had one of the most exciting and, <laughs> and, and fulfilling conversations of my life with my manager. And I was like, listen, I'm not going to continue with you. I will give you time to find somebody else, but I'm this, I didn't like the way this happened. I didn't appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I don't feel good about it. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to give you time to find somebody else because I'm not in a rush to get out, but please don't, don't make it too long. Mm-hmm. Right. That was one of the most rewarding <laughs> situations ever. Right. But what I did before that was I sat down with my budget. I took my last three months of statement, bank statements, mm-hmm. and I combed through those statements. And I did exactly what you said. I looked at everything and I said, okay, was this something that I absolutely need? Mm-hmm. And if it is something I need, is there a way that I can minimize that? Mm-hmm. Okay. This is not something I need. Let me get rid of that. I looked at all the recurring things. I looked at all the one-off things. I looked at, okay, this is a one-off. Was this something I did because it was an impulse buy or was this something I did because it was a need mm-hmm. at that time, or it was something that whatever, what was all that? And so I identified all that and I looked and found a bare bones. Like if I make this amount of money mm-hmm. per month mm-hmm. on average, I can get by. And I had that bare bones number. And for me sitting down with my bank statements for the last three months, wasn't anything anybody told me. It was just something I was like, I should probably do that because it seems like it would be a good idea. But it was very important for me to look and see what my habits were, Mm -hmm. right? And I still do that from time to time. I'll go back and look and make sure that my habits are in alignment with my reality of my my budget. And so to your point, right? I tell people all the time, it don't matter how much money. I still, believe it or not, live like I work at the teller line. I, I, I promise you, with the exception of the projects that I got going on, mm-hmm. I legit don't spend, don't spend money. I just don't. Mm-hmm. Now, quarter, what I was like, oh, it's a lot of money being spent this month, this quarter. But <laughs> it's, like, it's a lot. But, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I'm in the position to move that way. It wasn't always like this. You see what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. it's clearly want. It's clearly needs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The, I've been in my house since 05. I need my, my house redone. You know what I mean? I'm mm-hmm. you know, paying for a mortgage. I might as well get it the way that I like it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. My publishing team, I got to pay them. That's the third book. They, 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 they're contracting. 
You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I keep on work for free. So I got to pay. You see what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. all of these come into play. And like you said, when you know better, you do better. You know what I mean? But legit, I don't, I rarely go out and I can, I can go out. Right. But I'd rather go to the market and cook. It's healthier and it's cheaper. You know what I figured out though for me, and probably because y'all had us so stressed out in that Goldman Sachs class. Don't that, say that. that. Don't say that. <laughs> I yeah. highly recommend it. I think everybody who can do it should. But when I tell you they worked us, they worked us. Top of the um, week. But what I <laughs> what I found out though is that I was I was buying a lot of food because I was like, it's cheaper to eat at home. So I'm buying this food, right? So I would buy food. And then I would I would be working all day and working on my business and then doing the Goldman Sachs and trying to do y'all's homework and all that stuff. And then I would be tired and I was like, I, I don't feel like cooking. So then I would go order DoorDash. And so now I'm spending extra money on DoorDash. And I was too tired to even get out the chair to go to the store to get something. All right. So I'm spending this money on DoorDash, which is extra. I'm spending money on food that's going to waste. Mm-hmm. I have... I now have a personal chef and it's cheaper for me to have that personal chef make meals for me and meal prep than it was to do either of those options. And I'm eating healthier with him. So I think really finding opportunities to your point goals. One of my goals is to eat healthier and to lose weight and all of that stuff. Right. And I had to figure out a way to make it happen. And so for me, finding that way out with my personal chef talking to him about my goals in terms of weight loss and in terms of just eating healthy in general. And that wound up being a situation for me. Um, Another thing that I realized is that over the last, I just moved into my house in November and Mm -hmm. I feel like every five minutes, like I'm walking and cleaning as I walk and whatever. And by the end of the day, I just realized I'm like just tired, but it's because I'm doing so much. And if I'm not cleaning as I go, even with just me as one person living here, it's like my house looks a whole wreck, right? And so one of the things that I'm doing now is, okay, in order to save me some time, which time is money as well, I want to hire a maid to support. And whether that's going to be monthly, whether that's going to be bi-weekly, whatever, but it also saves me time so I can do other things that will allow me to now, because most of my goals or my, my hobbies are monetized, which I don't always recommend because I think you should have some stuff that's just for you. But most of my hobbies are monetized. The things that I want to do, like being able to record the podcast or having an audition or doing things to grow the business, working on my growth plan, <laughs> working with some of my Goldman Sachs alum. <laughs> you know, I just had a meeting yesterday with one of my alum to, to work through some of her marketing stuff. And those are things that I want to do, right? But in order to be able to do those things that are bringing in money, it's more beneficial to use my time in that way than to be sitting here working myself to death, trying to clean up every time I make a move. And so to that point, it's Mm -hmm. to to that point, it's, you know, all in your budget. You know what I mean? It's all in your budget and your affordability. Now, if you have that liquid Mm -hmm. cash after all your expenses are paid, of course, you know, put some money up for savings. But if you have the discretionary income, you know what I mean? The discretionary budget that your budget can house that housekeeping expense. So be it. Why not? What do you think is a good rule of thumb for people to have in terms of percentages for discretionary income, for savings, and then for paying bills? Well, I tell people all the time, Susie Orman, Robert Kiyosaki, 
Dave Ramsey, no shade, no tea. They say that you need to have at least six to eight months of income in the bank at all times. Here's the thing. It's 2022. Yeah. Ain't that ain't happening. <laughs> For a lot of a, a lot of our folks, right in our community. Mm-hmm. Now, no, I'm not going. I'm not going to say not a lot, but the vast majority of us can't afford that eight that 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 six to eight months of income. So I always use use a base of two thousand dollars. You should have two thousand dollars in the bank at all times. On two thousand dollars, honestly, ain't no money, but it's a starting point. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And have that that two thousand dollars stored and then build on that. You know what I mean? And then once you have that $2,000 in the bank, take a look at your monthly expenses. How much money will it, how much money does it take for me to run my household bare bones? You know what I mean? No Netflix, no cable. You know, I got to have internet because I work from home, right? But bare bones. We're talking about food. We're talking about gas and electric. We're talking about your car note. If you have a car note, we're talking about car insurance, building a, a budget for car maintenance. Because the last thing I hate when I go to the car the car place to get an oil check <laughs> and I got forty dollars budgeted and here they come with the clipboard talking about something you need rotors, brakes and all that. And I'm like, dude, that wasn't even in my budget. <laughs> we all we all been there. Let's be for real. We've been there. Yeah. We got forty five dollars budgeted out here for this oil change and taxes. And they come to you with the clipboard. Yeah. They talk about something you need A, B, C, and D. Bruh, that was not in my budget. Real real. <laughs> what you talking about? Can I go can I go another five thousand miles with this not being done? Right? <laughs> Because I know the mindset and behaviors of consumers, Like, I know. Listen, I always ask my, my mechanic, listen, if you were talking to your daughter or your sister, what would you tell them? Do they need to get this done now? Or can yes. they wait? And that gives them, it requires them to think for a minute. And mm-hmm. I've usually had people be very honest with me mm-hmm. when I've asked them that question in that way. Mm-hmm. So then, again, to your question, it's all, the start, your starting point is, $2,000 and then build on that $2,000. Now you're probably saying, well, Robert, I'm living paycheck to paycheck. I can barely get money. I don't. I, I could barely have anything discretionary to save. But ask yourself, how many times do you go to Dunkin' Donuts? How many times a week do you go to Starbucks? And then this goes on, right? Mm-hmm. Ask yourself that. And then that will be a determining factor. I remember working at the credit union like a while ago and the lady was like, well, my budget my budget is always seven to eight hundred dollars short. I said, okay, so let's take a look at your budget. Lo and behold, she was going to Dunkin' Donuts and Starbucks and eating out every day. There's your seven hundred dollars mm-hmm. right there. For somebody who's looking to start a budget, mm-hmm. where do they even start? Like, I went and I looked at my my bank statements. That, that's not a budget though. That's like me looking mm-hmm. at what that's I did in the past. And that's transactions. So when you talk about your budget, you you know, how much, look at how much you're spending on, let's say your rent or your mortgage, your gas and electric. Look at all of the monthly expenditures that you're paying. Take all of those line items, put a dollar amount next to those line items, add them up, and that's your budget right there. That's your budget. So I repeat, take all the expenses that you're paying, each line item, put a dollar amount next to that line item, add those items up, and that's your budget. It's not hard. Simple. And then add two thousand dollars or whatever it's gonna take to get that two thousand dollars. So Absolutely. if it's fifty dollars a month, yep. if it's stop mm-hmm. going to Starbucks, stop go, stop eating out. It's okay. Stop. Mm-mm, can't go. Gotcha. I can't go to the party. Get rid of cable. <laughs> can't go to the party. I can't go out. I got savings go. And be transparent. Again, people are gonna be mm-hmm. like, "Well, you always cheap." People are like, always look at my friends used to be like, "Robbie, you so cheap," and you got money. Yep, you're right. 
You're right. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. Because here's the thing I realize is it's, it's my journey. It's just my, it's that it's my journey. I don't have mm-hmm. to keep up. I'm comfortable mm-hmm. with me and my financial picture. So y'all go mm-hmm. out and, and I, it's crazy because my style team legit back in 2019 was like, Robert, you don't own a pair of red bottoms. And I was like, no, I don't own a pair <laughs> of Christian Louis Vuittons. Why? Because they're $700. Why would I want to right. have $700 sitting on my floor? That's whack to me. They say if it's on your ass, it's not an asset. No. <laughs> Why do I have $700 sitting in the box on the floor? Ew. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because a lot of people are into like designer purses and all of that. Every designer purse I've ever had, my mom got for me for Christmas. Everyone. Or I just got from her because she had it and then I just somehow it wound up in my closet. No judgment, please, on that. But I don't pay. I love coach. I'm a coach fanatic. Okay. I got Mm -hmm. two coach book bags. I got coach flip flops. I'm a coach fanatic. But you know what? Mm-hmm. I got them jumps on sale. I did not pull. I did not pay full price. I repeat. Yeah, I repeat. Man, listen. I got a big coach book bag. The the base price on that was like six hundred, seven hundred dollars. I got mm-hmm. that joint for like two something. I was like, I'm not paying. Even I was like, well, you know what? Let me go ahead and treat myself because yeah, I did <laughs> It was you know, it was Black Friday, and it's something that I never do. And I said, you know what? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna treat myself. Because I work hard. So, and you mm-hmm. know, as I like traveling, you need, you need to carry on. And so my, my existing coach book bag, I was trying to fit the notebook, the laptop, the everything in that little tiny book. It was like a little mm-hmm. And so I said, you know, mm-hmm. I, need to, I need to upgrade this book bag so I can travel and put more stuff in it, i.e. my laptop and my notebooks. And so that's mm-hmm. what I did. So, but to that point, yes, I have coach. I have a lot of coach material, right? Coach paraphernalia, but I did not pay full price for it. My clutch, mm. I paid like $25, mm-hmm. $26 for like coach clutch. I mean, this coach notebook, the, the base on this is $75. I paid $28 for this. And then this full Listen. coach, it's a full real coach notebook. Listen, this is me. No, I don't even think this is me. This is, th- listen, this is mine. I love it. <laughs> like, I- <laughs> got it from Staples. Got it from Staples. <laughs> so, 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 cute little uh, text messages. Hey. Hey, what's going on, girl? Hey, girl. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, I like that. And so this makes me like <laughs> savvy when I have, mm-hmm. my, when I go to meetings. Because yeah. like, you got to look the part. So I'll just pull out my coach yeah. book and you got it's all about. It's all about the perception and the persona. But again, this is yep. awesome. 24 years of being in the industry and honing and working on my craft. I did not just wake up like, oh my God, I'm successful. No, this is 24 years. And I'm still working. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit. So we've been talking about more so personal finances and like developing goals for personal finances. Let's shift to business. Cause I think a lot of the people that will be listening might either have a business or they might Mm -hmm. be interested in having a business what are some differences between planning for finances for your business versus planning for finances for your personal life so here's the thing whatever you do it is it is critical it's detriment that you continue to hone in on your personal financial picture and i say that because whatever you do on the personal side it's going to carry over into the business side so if you have a habit of not paying your expenses on time, um, not saving money, and the list goes on. Those behaviors are going to transition over into your business. So 
before you launch that business, before you even think about launching that business or that business idea, I really want you to tap into making sure that your personal financial picture is healthy and secure. Why? Because the first three years, you're going to be bootstrapping, i.e. paying for your business mm-hmm. out of your pockets. Mm-hmm. And no banks or no lenders giving money to startups. Why? Because startups are a high risk. So that being said, where you gonna get your capital from? You're going to get your capital from you. Then. Mm-hmm. So yeah. need versus want. Again, we talked about needs versus want and earlier in the broadcast. Understand the needs versus want. And as you are building, as you're looking to transition out of that full-time space into the, the small business space, make sure that you have at least six to eight months of capital or possibly a year worth of expense money in the bank to fall back on. Because again, your first couple, your first year of business, you, you are in incubator stages. You are building. So you won't see a profit until about year two, year three, if year four. Real talk. You know what I what I realized in the Goldman Sachs program was that I was paying. I, I don't have any debt in my business. I paid everything off. I do now because I wound up getting a loan to a small loan, the EIDL loan from the end yeah. of the year last year. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I, I don't have any debt. I would just buy something and pay it <laughs> every month with the money that I got. And looking at the financial workshop and that kind of stuff taught me like, oh, I need to be utilizing credit. You know, I need to be. Yeah, I just got and this was like last week. I just got an American Express credit card and I was just like, oh, (laughs) because normally and that's another thing. I have another person that's going to come on to talk specifically about credit. But that was one of the things like I don't think we're taught, right? Like we we are taught, oh, don't get a credit card because you're going to mess up your credit and it's going to be bad or whatever. But you have to have credit to build credit, right? Which is this whole other weird whatever. But I got this American Express Platinum card and they were like, you don't have a limit. And I was like, wait, what? And it's it's good. It's a very good good thing to to have. But it was it's such a eye-opening thing because if I would have had that before, some of the things that I got and I paid off immediately, I would have been in a much better place because I would have been able to leverage that to do some other things. But here's the thing with that. You can't, like I said before, you can't put spilt milk, you can't put spilt milk back in the glass. But what you can do is learn from the spill. So learn from the spill and move on. You know what I mean? Congratulations mm-hmm. on the MX Platinum. You know, you gotta especially as a business owner, you have to leverage that credit. Don't deplete your liquid assets. Play with other people's toys, i.e. their money, i.e. their credit. But you have to be, as a consumer, even as a business owner, you have to position yourself to know Mm -hmm. and understand the workings of how credit works, both personally and in the business space. That's something that I think a lot of people would be interested in knowing too, because I didn't realize that credit in the business space doesn't work the same way as it does in the personal space. Like you have mm-hmm. to actively do some things on the business side, <laughs> whereas you don't necessarily like in, in the personal side, credit just kind of, there cool. are things that you can do and strategies that you can have, but it grows because it's kind of forced on us. Whereas right. on the business side, it's a little bit different. Can you talk a little bit about that? So on the credit side, I mean, so on the business side, yes, you to, to jumpstart, you have to apply for your DMB, your Dun & Bradstreet, right? You also start with your retail accounts, your quills, your staples, your office depot, so just to build that credit profile. You know what I mean? Now, in incubator stages, i.e. your first three years of business, lenders, creditors are kind of weary of 
um, lend extending credit to new businesses. Why? Because you are a rush. You have no credit profile. You have no financial history. But by year two, by year three, if you position yourself properly, now you're able to apply for your Office Depot card, your Staples card, simply to build that credit. And then by year four, by year five, you're now able to be in a good cash position to go to that financial institution, whether it be a credit union or a bank and say, hey, I need $50,000. I need a $50,000 line of credit. Okay. So it's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's building, it's understanding and building. And like you said, no, the credit, it's a little easier to build business credit than it is to build personal credit because lenders on the personal side want to take, having no credit is like having bad credit. You consider the rest right. because a lender can't tell whether or not you're able to sustain credit or not. Right. And they need to, you know, before they approve you, they want to see that you, number one, have a credit, that you have trade lines, i.e. credit files, right? And number two, your credit, your pay, your repayment history. That plays in a, in a major part, right? So I tell my clients all the time, especially with your reportable debt, if you're in between employee, if you're in, in between employers and you're not working, Make the minimum payment on the credit reportable debts, even if it's twenty dollars. Make the payment on the tw- make a make the twenty dollar payment so that it reports on a it reports that you're paying on time. Lenders mm-hmm. don't care if you're making the, the minimum payment; they just want to make sure that you make the payment on time and that it reports. And this stuff will stay on your report. Like yes. I had an issue with one of my cards where it was on auto pay and something happened. I don't know if it was the, I can't remember what it was that happened, but it didn't do the auto pay as it normally would have. And so now it's reporting that I paid late and it's like, but I didn't know, you know, as soon as I found out, I went back and I gave them their money, but it's like, they don't see it that way. Right. And it stays on your credit um, report, right? And, and so it stays on your credit report. Until, you know what I mean? And so every month, like that late pay will start to shift down. Until it finally mm-hmm. shifts off. But it takes a while. It takes about three years for it to shift off, right? Because the credit report, you have a one, you have a zero through 12, a 13 to 24, and then a 25 through 36. So that's year one, year two, year three. And so every time you make a payment, that late pay will shift to the right and eventually shift off. So again, I tell clients mm-hmm. all the time, especially on the personal side, it takes a lifetime to repair your credit if it's damaged. And it takes a millisecond to destroy it. That's why it is it is crazy. You need to make sure that you eyeball your credit. And if you're unsure of how to read your credit report, if you're unsure of what your credit report says, connect with resources. Heck, you can email me, Robin at RobinRHaines.com, and I can go ahead and connect you with some credit repair people who legit won't charge you. You know what I mean? And that, that's all they do. We have a, a program here in Baltimore called Operation Hope. And one of the main frames of Operation Hope's program is that they do credit money management and no mm-hmm. charge clients. So there's a global mm-hmm. nonprofit, but they focus on credit and money management, right? Or go to your financial institution and say, hey, listen, I need help understanding my credit report. Can you help me? One of the things that you talked about a little bit earlier was the idea of building the relationship with your financial institution. Mm -hmm. And I think we can listen to that and be like, okay, well, that makes sense in theory. But like, what does that look like? What is, how do I, as a regular person, go in and build a relationship with my financial? Absolutely. So just chat it up with the teller, you know, have fun with the teller, have fun at the receptions and say, how you doing? Have a good day. Somebody, you know, 
you go in and apply for a car loan or, you know, something's wrong with some basic account maintenance. You talk to a banker. Hey, can I get your car? Can I call you next time? Or, you know what I mean? I remember my banker who's no longer, no, he's no longer at my, uh, at my credit union, but I called him for everything. I legit called, his name was James Wagner. Like I miss him so much. Oh my God, I miss him. But anything (laughs) I needed, I would like email him or call him or even text him and be like, James, this is what it is. All right, Ms. Haynes, I got you. Consider it done. If I was making IRA contributions, you know what I mean? I'd be like, James, I would email him the paperwork and he already knew what to do. I was saying the same care. You know what I mean? And so that was, and, mm-hmm. and then, so that was the relationship. You know what I mean? And so he's not there anymore. So I had to find a new person to like get acclimated, which is fine. But to your point, mm-hmm. it's all about building that relationship, talking it, talking to the clock, talking to the teller. You know what I mean? Having those conversations with the teller. Basically, it don't have to be nothing deep. Hey, how's it going? How's your day going? You know what I mean? Talking to that branch manager. Talk to the people. Closed mouths don't get fed, right? So you got to talk to the people. Talk to the receptionists. Have fun with it. Again, I was a teller. I worked, you know, the receptionist area when my receptionist was out. I worked as a loan officer until this day. And I've been out of CQ since 2012. Till this day. People like, they don't make tellers like you no more. And I ain't been on the teller line <laughs> about 15 years. And if I talk to my teller and I, you know, my teller knows me when I come in, what does that do for me? Like, what benefit does that have? So, if you know, hey, it does have a major benefit because if there's an issue with your account, you know what I mean? You take first precedent. You know what? We have a problem with Sequoia's account. Let me get somebody out there for you instead of, all right, go over there, have a sit down, somebody be with you shortly. No, that teller (laughs) all over to the platform. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We'll go to call a banker and say, you know what? Miss uh, Houston has an issue with her account. Can you come assist her? Boom. And so mm-hmm. the person in the lobby like, well, I've been sitting here for five minutes and I nobody came out here to see me. But she, uh, mm-hmm. you see what I'm saying? And that has happened. Mm-hmm. That has mm-hmm. happened. It's happened to me. So when I, I had a couple of things. One, when I bought my house, I went to go do the wire transfer. And their system was down, right? Mm-hmm. And because their system was down, the banker was very apologetic, right? And he was like, I'm so sorry. If you can come back in an hour, or I'll call you when it's back up, right? And as we were sitting there kind of waiting for it to, to see if it was going to come back up before I left, I was just telling them, hey, yeah, you know, I have the bank account here. And I'll talk about that in a second. I have the credit card, the business credit card, and they wound up closing it. And I, but they keep charging, or I wound up closing or whatever, but they keep charging me every month. And it, it was supposedly paid off, right? Uh-huh. And so he was like, oh, let me look at this or whatever. When I had to come back in for something else, it's like he always kind of checks in mm-hmm. to make sure I'm okay. And mm-hmm. so just that experience of sitting and talking and whatever, and they do make sure that but I'm good do. and they do that I'm prioritized, which has been interesting. And then they're going to ask whatever your need is. They're going to make sure that they fit that need. Why? Because it's that relationship. People will have mm-hmm. the misconception. Well, that this bank doesn't do anything for me. Okay, so what do what are your going back to the original going back to the top of the conversation? What do what do you need? What do you understand your needs? So how can right. you expect the external to facilitate your needs if you don't even understand what you need? Right. Exactly. Exactly. And to the point with that I was making about the card, the reason the card was, there was a, I guess if it's after a certain time of the month or whatever, 
Mm-hmm. They would charge it because they were charging interest on something. Mm-hmm. But you charge an interest on zero dollars, but whatever. They would charge interest and then they were charging interest on the interest. So even though the card was closed and it was closed because I wasn't using it. And that's another thing that I think, yeah, people have to <laughs> to realize. I, I would get these cards and I'd be like, okay, I have it in case of an emergency, but I won't use it. And they'll be like, okay, you don't need it. And they'll close it, right? But they were still charging me and it was really frustrating because I'm like, I paid this stuff off. What are you doing? But because I had that relationship with him, he was willing to take his time to go look and do a little extra digging because it was kind of a weird situation. But he did a little extra digging and then refunded me certain amounts. That that probably wouldn't have been a thing. Mm -hmm. If they are charging you interest on a zero balance, that's. That's backwards. Like you don't charge, there's nothing accumulating. So why are you charging? They were charging. It was because you know how it is with the closed dates. So your closed date may be the 8th, the 8th. And you still had a balance. You paid it off on the 10th. Right. So they're still charging you. It carried over. And then they were charging interest on the interest that carried over. So it was like, y'all are doing doing the most. Y'all doing the most. Yeah. So I was able to get those fees refunded, Okay, um, but it was because of that relationship. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is, I think this has been great. So I, I tend to, to wrap up with a couple of questions. I want to make sure, sure that I ask you those things. It's all, it's all you. Perfect. And then first, before I ask those, are there any other things maybe that are like, ah, oh, I need to make sure I get this out so people can know to do this or do you think we've covered as we are in the top we're still in the top of the year even though we're in february make sure that you have your goals you know what i mean do not operate this year without set goals and put a timeline on those goals when is it that i want to accomplish this by because i one thing about goals is that it's cute that you wrote goals but when are you looking to accomplish them by right because you write Mm. goals and you'll handle timetable it's like a candle in the wind Okay. Mm. Number two, remember your financial journey is just, just that. It's your financial journey. Ask yourself, what is it that I can do to better myself? Which brings me to the third point. Stop chasing perfection. That junk don't exist. Okay, well, nobody said perfection mm. does mm. not exist. Stop. Oh my God, it has to be perfect. Yeah, okay. Good luck with that. <laughs> exactly. I'm serious. Exactly. Because people have the mindset, it's, oh my God, it has to be perfect. There is no such thing as perfection. And fourth, it's okay to fail. Failure is part of the equation. You fail forward. It's okay to fail. Hell, I failed. And I've been, I'm an SME, subject matter expert. I failed. Fell on my face. But I didn't allow my failures to define me. I simply learned. And you learn. Yeah. And kept it moving. Yeah, you learn a lot of times more from your failures than you do from Absolutely. your you successes. Fail, you fail forward. Fail forward. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Failure is part of the equation. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah, I think those are great points. All right. So as you look over the financial landscape, particularly of people of color, mm-hmm. as you look at your mission to go out and spread the good word of financial oh success <laughs> and literacy, <laughs> how to make oh, money work for you. What are some things that you wish to see happen that would make you feel like, you know what, my my job is complete. My mission is complete. When people, my second project entitled, This is Not the Final Chapter, when people read that story, right, people are still reading that story. They're like, oh my God, I didn't know. This is so 
this is, you know, this, I kind of, I resonate with your story because I'm not the only one. And, you know, I look at you and, you know, I see, oh my gosh, she's so successful, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, yo, real talk, I'm human. I got a mortgage like everybody else. I got student loans like everybody else. Like, yo, I bleed like everybody else. My God, what it was like, God, mommy, you don't have a, a housekeeper? I said, no, I am the housekeeper. What you talking about? <laughs> I get my own, I got my own food. It ain't, it ain't that deep, right? So I know that my calling is, you know, the assignment that God has given me is bigger than me. It's about the mm-hmm. impact. And that's my mm-hmm. work 2022 is impact. It's cute to be successful, but if you're not making impact, you simply in the way. That's it, that's all. Time out for yeah. Glitz and glamour, cameras, lights, action. Time out for that. That's cute. But if you don't have a message and you're not making impact and it's not resonating with your audience, you just empty, you chase, you chasing your dreams. That's cute. But it's all about relevancy and impact. And so for me, it's I'm impactful, right? Not only with my story, but just with my delivery. What you see is what you get with heels and a suit on, full team makeup, <laughs> all that. Or a entrepreneurial t-shirt and some flip-flops. You're going to get the same Robin mm-hmm. and you're going to get the same delivery. Whether my team is with me or with I'm in the house by myself, you're going to get that same delivery. Gotcha. Right? So another thing is to be authentic. People mm-hmm. can sense when you are fake and phony. Be authentic. I don't care how successful you are. And I work with some of the most successful people. Just had a conversation mm-hmm. on Tuesday with an international photographer and he his team and I are doing some work we're kicking off a financial series in March I mean this guy is bananas him and his whole team I mean they tried mm-hmm. they just came back from Dubai like a couple of weeks ago you know what I mean mm-hmm. but at the end of the day we're human you know what I mean mm-hmm. we're successful yeah but we got bills to pay like everybody else we, we haven't lost <laughs> sight of who we are as individuals and I think that's mm-hmm. what a lot of you know what I mean now I understand what athletes and stars go entertainers go to because it's like yo i'm doing this because i got bills to pay i ain't doing this because it's cute yeah i'm an right. entertainer i'm a sport but at the end of the day i got bills and so that's my mindset right don't get lost in the success and a lot of people when they get their first whip of success they get lost like oh my god i'm this right i'm victim to that like oh i'm i was like god bye you still got student loans sit all the way there you got a mortgage <laughs> <laughs> You got a you got student loans and a mortgage and a car note. Don't sit sit down and drink your lemonade. Sit down. <laughs> but you know who doesn't have student loans? My child, right? <laughs> Yo, child. That was one of the things that she was so proud of is that she was able to pay off his student loans. He just graduated and is completely student loan free. And so yeah. my next question is if you would be willing to pay mine. Can you do mine? I'm trying to pay mine. Is that- <laughs> Just, I figured I slide it. I figured I slide it in there. I figured, you know, because no. you said you said a minute ago a closed mouth don't get fed. You said that, and I'm so I to, was just trying. You trying to pay my off? Right you. Somebody help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. Hey. I figured. I figured I'd try. What do you think? I figured I'd try. Robin, can we work with you? Okay, what does that bottom line look like? What does that MOU look like? Okay. Okay. The way those student loans about to come out of the firm in May, I was like, Uncle Joe, like Joe Biden. Listen, 
Listen, that 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 would be a whole podcast episode. I take care of my credit portables, but bro, if you could just do a solid, please, please, give us a solid on them stimulants. Yes, yes. (laughs) Let me ask you this. Sure. We talked about a little bit about your legacy and a little bit about the work that you do. When people think of Robin Haynes from any part of your life and and just like if this was your last will and testament, when they think of, of Robin Haynes, what is it that you want your lasting legacy to be? To realize and to be that I was authentic and I was true to myself, right? Okay. Um, and I say that because, like I said before, oftentimes people get lost in the success, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, my God, you're so successful. You're, oh my God, I, I want to be like you. I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> me for a day. You're going to be like, oh, crap. right? Yeah. But again, I'm authentic and I'm true to myself. And I love yeah. myself. And it took me a while. My, thank God for my therapist. She asked me about oh, five years ago, Robin, who are, who's Robin? Outside of the, the accolades, the titles, the success, who, who is Robin? And so for the very long time, I couldn't answer that. But now I can answer that. Robin is loud. She's boisterous. You know, Robin's two sides, right? It's Robin is Robin on Hanks. Robin is loud. She's boisterous. She's fun. She has a great time. Whereas Robin is the moneymaker. She gets stuff done. She's the executor. And so mm-hmm. you intertwine Robin with Robin R. Haynes, and then you, ha- you find that happy balance. So what I want to be mm. known for is number one, staying true to myself. Number two, get mm. not get lost in the ex- success. And number three, just understand that at the end of the day, I'm human. Like, yo, I'm yeah. authentic. I'm gonna be me. People like, yo, you have not changed. I was like, no. Because you know how people get lost <laughs> right. right. Get nah, be no. <laughs> Give me a cup of Kool-Aid, cup of lemonade. And a half of the chips, and that's on the next task. I'm got you. so serious. People, people <laughs> laugh when I say that, but I'd be like so legit for real. I'd be so legit for mm-hmm. real. I'd be like, yo, you. When, and it's crazy when people like meet me from who follow me on social media and they meet me in mm-hmm. person. They're like, yo, you, you like child cool. I'm like legit. What am I supposed to do? Right. I'm me. <laughs> I'm me. <laughs> yeah. Or by myself. I'm me. Yeah. Even my team yeah. be like, you're crazy. I'm like. <laughs> but crazy oh in the best possible way. <laughs> we, yeah. My scout team, my photographer, we have the best time when we in session. Mm-hmm. We be but authentic. Mm-hmm. Like, like boy, I'm me. Gotcha. Right. And nothing. Gotcha. And again, having been on, having been at the lowest point of my life, right? To now. Like, it's just, you know, I've evolved, I've matured, I've changed, you know what I mean? But change is good. But I never forget my yesterday. My yesterday mm-hmm. keeps me humble. My yesterday, knowing where I was going to not get my, my my mortgage payment from, you know what I mean? Like, I had to go to my parents who assisted me when I was going through my divorce and separation. I had to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Find myself at the Department of Social Services, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, getting public assistance for myself and my son. That was my yesterday, but I thank God for my yesterday because my yesterday keeps me grounded. It keeps yeah. me, it assists me with staying true to myself. 
And no yeah. matter how much money I make, no matter how successful I am, I remember my yesterday. And that's what keeps me going. Got you. Got you. I love that. So, Robin, tell us, tell the people where they can reach you and where they can best support you in the work that you do. So you can reach me on all social media platforms, like all, all social media platforms. <laughs> uh, Robin R. Haynes, and that's LinkedIn and Facebook. Knowing underscore helps, that's Instagram and Twitter and the, at the Financial Strategist on t- TikTok. And so my website is RobinRHaynes.com and just ping me. Shoot me a text, you know, follow me. Absolutely. We'll put those in the show notes for everybody who wants to see that very quickly and connect with her very quickly. We'll have all of that information. But that's it. That's all we got for today. Thank you, Robin, so much for joining me. And most importantly, thank you so much for the work that you do in helping people. It's so important. I I just want us to be successful. That's all. I just want us to be financially successful and sustainable like time out for yeah. the, the what was me like oh my god stop getting your hand nails done save money it's cute <laughs> being cute is cute but being cute with no money in the bank that ain't attractive i'm sorry it's not right right you got you right. look you fly but you don't have no money in the bank you rock the right. red bottom but you don't have no red bottom money in the bank that's whack to me right time out for that. right you right. know better yeah better. yeah so thank you so much, Nicoya. Thank you. That's it, folks. That is it. If you want to keep up with Diversity Be Like, be sure to check us out online. You can like us or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at, at Diversity Be Like. You can also shoot us an email at podcast at mochastock.com. And you can also feel free to join the conversation online at hashtag diversity be like. So thank y'all everybody for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye.